Welcome to Season 2 of Marla by the Numbers, the podcast from the International Association of Fairs and Expositions with your host, Marla Calico, President and CEO of the IAFE. Podcast number 11 is sponsored by eTix. Today's guest will be Jeff Hines of the Deschutes County Fair and Expo Center discussing three ideas for restoring consumer confidence in live events. Let's listen in. Welcome, everyone, to Marla by the Numbers. It's good to have you joining us today. My special guest is Jeff Hines from the Deschutes County Fair in Oregon. Welcome, Jeff. How are you today? I'm doing well. Good to see you. Good to see you, too. Hey, listen, for all of our audience, why don't you tell them what you do at Deschutes County Fair? Well, absolutely. So I'm currently the director um, of Deschutes County Fair and Expo, which is a uh, fair property in central Oregon, a 340-acre multi-purpose facility um, in beautiful Redmond, Oregon, uh, right on the east side of the Cascades. And it is a gorgeous, amazing property. I had a chance to visit that fair a couple of years ago, and certainly you've got a gem of a property and a beautiful location. Now, you've been in the fair business uh, for a long time. You and I have known each other for quite a few years, and I know a little bit about your history, but why don't you, why don't you tell our listeners a little bit more about how, how you came to be in the fair business and the various places that you've worked? So, yeah, I, I didn't don't think I had a choice but to be in the industry. I was kind of born into the industry and uh, was integrated early and you're never really allowed to leave, I don't think. Uh, At least I was told you're not. Uh, But my my grandfather was the uh, CEO of the LA County Fair um, and my grandparents raised me. So I sort of grew up on and around uh, fairgrounds and and specifically the LA County Fair and had that opportunity and experience at a young age and came to love uh, this industry the way that you only can if you've been involved, you know, uh, for your entire life. And so uh, certainly wasn't what I expected to do uh, growing up, but just sort of gravitated to it as I worked um, both at fairs and in with service groups, carnivals and food vendors and in that through high school and college. Um, and uh, ultimately got out of college and was offered my first position working for uh, Ray Kamek shows um, and, uh, and, and had the opportunity to travel with them for a number of years. Before I switched back over to the uh, the fair management side and uh, first role and first opportunity was in San Mateo County Fair, which is in the San Francisco Bay Area. Uh, pretty unique place for a county fair. Um, you know, a, a market that uh, isn't a traditional fair market. Um, not a lot of agriculture, but certainly a community that needs information and education about agriculture. And really enjoyed my time there and, and then had the opportunity to to go to Tulare County Fair, which is central California. So a huge culture shift moved from the Bay Area to uh, the breadbasket of America in a county where you had more cows than people, Um, which isn't always bad. Sometimes I like the cows more. Um, Is that where the large, there's a large uh, farm show that takes place at that fairgrounds? Is that correct? Yeah. So uh, it's not at the fairgrounds, but it's uh, a property about two miles away from the fairgrounds. It started on the fairgrounds and and uh, and outgrew the the property and that yeah World Ag Expo has about four hundred uh, acres they own and another about a thousand acres they lease so you know it's a probably an unfortunate case study to look at is what happens when uh, a fair isn't able to meet the needs of a of a partner and rather than figuring out how to work together they go their separate ways so mm-hmm. it's really an opportunity where you're competing against. Uh, 
you know, this, this 800 pound gorilla in a small market. Uh, and yet had, we had to figure out how we, uh, how we did so, where we fit in in that, that, uh, that chain. And, and, you know, that event was obviously supported by the community as was the fair. Um, then I went from there to, to San Bernardino, California, which is a suburb of LA sort of back to where I lived and, um, was there for, for five or six years. And, uh, then had the opportunity to come to, uh, to Oregon and was ready for a change and thought the opportunity to, to work in a slightly different system, get out of um, the California fair system, which is unique in and amongst itself and tr- uh, learn something new um, and a new way of doing things here in central Oregon. And as you kind of hit on the property here is uh, it's a hidden gem. It, it's a, uh, it's a, well, in fair years, it's brand new because it's only 21 years old, right? It just, it just turned old enough to drink this year. <laughs> uh but it's 340 acres. It's all master planned. It's it's planned based on the fair in Perry, Georgia. You know, it, it's got so so much amazing attributes to to both the facility and the area. So I'm really excited to be here and um, look forward to, to what the future holds for this facility. Absolutely. I, again, it uh, for those of you uh, listening, if you have never been to that fairgrounds, at least go to their website, look it up, go visit if you possibly can. It's a, it, again, purpose built, beautiful, uh, designed for making a fair and non-fair functions too, uh, phenomenal. So, so thanks. And and Jeff, I do want to say, and and for our listeners, um, I. I only had a brief chance to know your grandfather, but I admired him. He was a tremendous leader in the fair industry and especially in the IAFE. And so I'm proud and pleased that you're carrying on the legacy. So you uh, delivered a really fascinating uh, workshop for us during the IAFE's virtual vision educational experience in uh, late November, early December, 2020. And it was uh, one of our top ranked sessions um, uh, according to the surveys that we did. People were very excited uh, to hear your thoughts for the future on how we are going to make sure that that our guests feel safe coming to our fair. And I know you've done a lot of work on that. And so our topic today is three ideas for restoring consumer confidence in live events. And so you had three main points you brought out on that. Obviously, you've had a little bit more time to think about it. But why don't you take us through those three steps that you believe are going to be critical for restoring our consumer confidence in 21 and beyond? Yeah, so um, I'll kind of take a, a quick step back and talk about what we did um, sure. here in Shoots County as we went into the pandemic, just as everybody else did and the strategies we utilized that I think were hopefully successful that we tried to share with others and um, learn from other people's opportunities, um, successes, and, and hopefully not their mistakes, but certainly there were some of those along the way as ours and, and others. But um, as we entered the pandemic, we, uh, like every most many fairs, were forced to cancel a number of different events. And, and we shut down a show um, due to governor's orders that came out the day it was scheduled to open. Um, about two hours before the doors for the show. So immediate impacts and what do we do? And um, we had a board meeting scheduled for the same day. Um, So we kind of had to learn our lessons very quickly on what this could look like and um, looked out into the future and um, tried to make some best guesses. And and certainly I would have been wrong had I guessed then how long the pandemic was going to last and what the impacts would be but didn't think that it was going to be short-lived at that point, just because of the impact and, and the decisions that were being made. I, I think there was um, maybe some information that wasn't being shared that some people knew and that were making the, the ultimate decisions to make 
hard closures and those sorts of things, but also looking out into the broader industry and seeing what some of our major um, entertainment providers and worldwide were doing with Live Nation um, canceling uh, entire seasons, uh, AEG shutting down Coachella and Stagecoach and all of their major festivals, the NBA canceling a bit, you know, an entire basketball season. It told me that uh, we were in something not just for a few days, but for a, for a short period. So it's like everybody, we licked our, loom, our wounds for a moment. And then we decided, well, uh, we're going to have to figure out how we're going to exist within this path. And um, went to work on it. Well, and also, you know, recognizing there would be a post-pandemic phase, that this wasn't something that was going to just uh, blow over, um, that uh, we weren't going to just flip the switch and go back to the way it used to be that we were going to have to do some work. Um, so we created a, a started work on a health and sanitization plan. And, uh, certainly uh, we weren't the first and, and, you know, I'll be one of the first to, to admit we um, are indeed or, or ripped off into, uh, from other places that we were seeing do it um, as we saw venues and uh, <clears throat> industries start to, to put some of their best practices in place. We, we took the best, the concepts we thought were the best ones. And uh, really we took uh, one from the, uh, the uh, I believe it was the Venetian in Las Vegas uh, was the, was the base concept that we utilized and just dropped fair related industry information into it or our fair related specifics into that for a couple of variety of reasons. One, cause it was, I think it was necessary Two, it gave us that, uh, the, that roadmap of what we thought we were going to need to do moving forward and something that we could share with our, our regulatory agencies here with our um, local public health, which um, as a county agency is a, a sister agency. So we were able to work very closely with them, but also our state public health agencies to say that we, we can be responsible and what are we going to do uh, to be responsible? How can we reopen safely? And, and uh, you know, we may have been initially overzealous. It was, um, you know, a 34 page document initially and, and continues to evolve to this day. Um, but it was important for us to put in there how we were gonna do everything we could think of so that we weren't missing opportunities. And then we were able to share that with, with stakeholders, um, our, uh, our county partners, our health partners, and also the community to give them some uh, comfort that we would be able to, to return to a level of normalcy. And um, I think it was helpful in the ability to uh, reopen uh, as soon as we possibly could in a, in a safe format. And uh, as, even as things continued to shut down, we had this plan that showed that we uh, at least had our eyes open and we weren't, we weren't being blind to it. And uh, I think it was also um, necessary because you know, we heard questions about why are you being allowed to do certain things? And, and it's not that we ever were allowed to do anything. It's because we put the work in and did the effort in order to blaze a trail. And we certainly uh, were able to open some doors, but we sure, we still had a lot that were closed uh, in front of us as well, but we wouldn't have been able to do some of the things we do. And, and uh, I know others wouldn't have if, without doing the hard work of saying, well, what if we try it this way? What if we do this? What if we do that? Rather than waiting for um, government to tell us how to run our business. That's really great, Jeff, and it sets the stage for wrapping into these next um, uh, three really key, key important uh, steps on how we are going to instore confidence. And now, a word from our sponsor. For over 20 years, eTix has provided ticketing and marketing for fairs across North America. 
with cashless solutions for rides and games, self-service kiosks, cash drawer management, and much more. Visit hello.etix.com for more information. Our guest is Jeff Hines from Deschutes County Fair in Redmond, Oregon. And Jeff, we're talking about three ideas for restoring consumer confidence in live events. And at our um, virtual vision, you said those were creation of a safe environment, messaging of strategies uh, that you've employed, and creating that feeling and safety and well-being. So why why don't we walk through that? Um, I think you just touched on your health and safety plan, but the base is really creating that safe environment. What are what are the 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 top two or three things in doing that? Um, I think that uh, creating that safe environment is really analyzing your facility and and what are the the impact points. as we've learned a lot more since we initially designed our plan about COVID-19 and, and how the virus and viruses as a whole spread, um, it's assuring that you have uh, safe spaces for people, you have the appropriate amount of space and distancing. Um, we have the ability to sanitize high touch points. And it's also looking at the facility and making sure you're recognizing what those unknown touch points could be. Uh, uh, restroom handles, uh, toilet handles, places that are... Uh, not fun places to think about, but are necessary um, and are um, ger- maybe germ infested already. Um, but how are we going to sanitize those? And and, uh, and what are we going to do in the future? Obviously, we can talk about some of the down the road, kind of some thoughts and the changes that may be necessary and, and that we're starting to see um, in the outside world that require investment. But uh, yeah, maybe- so so that first step is analysis, looking at every point and, and developing your plan so that you truly do have that safe environment to, to the greatest uh, uh, extent possible. So then you talk about messaging. And so, so what are some of your ideas on, on messaging to, to make the guests feel more confident? Yeah, I think the messaging has to be uh, consistent across the board. If, if uh, the messaging that you're putting out initially through uh, media channels or something doesn't match the messaging on site, then it's, it's wrong. And uh, people aren't going to feel as comfortable because it feels convoluted. Um, it's also for us, it was making sure that people knew that we took the, the we took the, the pandemic seriously, that we were going to work in their best practice and that we were focused on um, public health and safety. And so that was uh, con- conveyed through our website, through our social media channels, through every press release, everything had this consistent messaging that everything we did was focused on doing it safely and responsibly and making sure that whatever we did um, as a uh, as a part of our community was with our community in mind, that nothing we were doing was to harm our community, but it was being done to enhance the opportunities that existed in a way that was both safe and responsible. And those really became our, our key buzzwords. And I'm sure you're probably already hard, hard at work, hoping that you can get open with a full fair uh, this, this coming year, uh, thinking about how that messaging is going to be taken in even any further with, with the actual fair itself. Uh, any particular ideas that are um, your top priorities right now for those messaging strategies, assuming you can get the fair open? Yeah, I think everybody asks the question, um, we get it a million times a day is, are you going to have a fair? And, and for now, it's it's those bridging, um, yeah, we're, we're bridging words to get us till we have the ability to make a, an answer that's uh, appropriate, you know. And so we're we're just like we were last year. We're cautiously optimistic. Um, is the term that that our entire team kind of utilizes to to get through that question because 
we're not any smarter than, than the people asking the questions as to what can happen yet. Um, we're looking into the future and, and do I believe we can do a fair? I think so. Well, do I think we can do a fair? Absolutely. I know we can do a fair. Do I think we can do a, a safe and responsible fair? Absolutely. I think we can. Will the, uh, the guidelines be uh, flexible enough to allow us to do something that's financially viable? That's more the question. Sure. And uh, uh, so, you know, I think we will be able to do a fair um, of some sort here in, uh, uh, in Central Oregon. Uh, but I'm not naive enough to believe that it's going to look anything like what a fair looked like before. And, and um, it requires more work for less reward and having multiple plans. And that's uh, how we've been successful so far is uh, plan A is probably not going to work. And, um, you know, it's going to be plan Z24 <laughs> that may finally be the one that works. And yeah major adjustments. And, and, you know, we've communicated that as well to our community that in order to be able to do something, it's going to be necessary to make change. And, and unfortunately in this environment, the change may include having to attack and kill some sacred cows. Not that we want to, uh, mm-hmm. but it, it may be necessary. And, and we started that messaging long, long ago because so we know, you know, uh, when you, when you start going after areas of importance, uh, there's huge uh, impacts and feed feedback. And uh, even though it's necessary, people don't like it. Um, so we try to give them the utmost amount of time to process that things will be different. Right. As they well, certainly um, uh, on our last point of creating a feeling of safety and well-being, you actually have had some practical experience with this because uh, you took your vast experience uh, and helped out your friend Courtney Conkle at the Wyoming State Fair. And I know you were on site and actually helped her develop her uh, health and safety plan. I think they, what was number 17 was the one that finally got approved by the health authorities. So, so maybe walk us through some of the key points that you helped implement at Wyoming State Fair that, that really create that feeling of safety and well-being being so that the guests feel comfortable in coming to the fair. Yeah, and Wyoming State Fair did a tremendous job in the creation of their, their health plan. You know, we provided some, some guidance uh, on the front end and shared our health plan and they took it and uh, I remember theirs is like a hundred and something pages by the time it's done. And, and uh, you know, some people look at it and think it's too much, but I think what they did is they tried to look at every possible option that was necessary um, and come up with solutions. And, and, you know, I was excited to get to go up there and one, get to go to a fair um, and, and experience it and, and be around people and celebrate, which is so important, important to the human um species is, is being around others and celebrating, but making sure that what they said that they were going to do on paper, they did in practice as well. And, uh, you know, a lot of that was the investment in putting the, uh, the stuff we all know now, but we need those constant reminders, those social distancing stickers, the, uh, the off, I'll call it off limits markings to keep people separated, the, the face mask signage, the, the, the hand sanitizers, the, um, looking at all of the the buildings and um what's now um we know is air exchange or air air exchange per hour airflow rates and how do we make sure that in in closed spaces that air is being moved through those buildings and it's not stagnant and you know if there is a virus uh, prevalent that it's not sitting in there and just uh, allowing others to get sick and and really just looking at all of these different pieces and how do we adapt and to exist safely and responsibly in, in that market. And, and, you know, um, 
I think their plan was was really well received and, and like others, not only didn't see an increase um, in uh, positive case counts after their fair, the, the county actually saw a decrease over the two week period. And, and you know, I, I look back at that and I know they're not the only ones, they're the ones I have practical experience with, but I think it has something to do with those that do something that's safe and responsible, give people that opportunity to go recreate in a safe environment rather than doing things inappropriately. Because as humans, when we have, we're going to do something, most of us, there, there's a couple of us who can sit at home in our, in, in, uh, and not leave the house for you know a year, but that's few and far between. And, and so I think the creation of safe and responsible activities is important and will actually help us in, in the long run. And, and I'm hopeful that as the case studies that we're starting to see come out, prove that we can get back to doing so for, for those that uh, put in the effort to make the activity safe. Uh, that doesn't mean putting 10,000 people in a, uh, in a building with no airflow and, and you know, breathing and, and doing things that are just not responsible. It means doing the work and having events that are uh, well-planned and safe. And, and I think as fair as we can do that. I think you are right on track. And certainly Wyoming State Fair and the work there, it proved that it could be done. As you said, the case count actually went down, which is the most important metric for success. But I know uh, Courtney has told us there were several other metrics of, of great success uh, for that fair. And as we've learned through the case studies uh, from the fairs that did go forward between July and November 2020, communities were greatly gratified. And I guess you got to witness that firsthand, the uh, gratitude of guests coming and saying thank you for putting on a fair was that I'm sure that was quite evident at Wyoming wasn't it it was and every activity that that I we were able to do the fair being one in Wyoming we were able to get a few smaller events off the ground here um, last year in pandemic and you know with uh, a rodeo um, Mm -hmm. monster truck show people were just grateful to be able to do something and be out of the house and um, and experience a bit of normalcy even if it wasn't done in a normal way Mm -hmm. Um, as the human spirit, we have to be able to continue to, um, to be together, to get together and to, uh, um, to experience things together. But certainly we have to understand that it's up to us to create the spaces that people can do so in a, in an environment that's not going to harm them. Great. Well, Jeff, this is absolutely fantastic. Uh, I think with the groundwork and information that you've shared with us in the industry, it's going to help us all go a long ways. Remembering that it's up to us as uh, fair managers and operators to create that safe environment, to analyze all the risk, make it safe, to make sure that we're messaging not only the strategies, but the expectations of our guests. And then... um, making sure that when they get there, they do feel safe all the way around. Uh, We wish you the best of luck in your work there in Deschutes and and hope that uh, you get off the ground with some some events in the coming days. And Thank you again for all of your work. I know you're active in the IAFE and on a number of committees. Any final thoughts you want to share with our listening audience today? Uh, No, I appreciate the opportunity to to join you today. And like everyone, we're looking forward to a a 2021 season, uh, as different as it may be, and and beyond that into 22 and 23. And um, as you kind of indicated when we talked briefly before the show, I think the future's bright because people are excited about the opportunities to get back, to celebrate themselves, celebrate communities, become humans uh, and Americans again, and really there's nothing more American uh, than the, uh, the county or, or local or state fair. And I'm uh, really excited that the future looks bright on the, uh, the other side of this. 
I thank you. I, I got goosebumps just hearing you say that. I'm so excited and I feel inspired. Jeff, thank you so much. Again, our, Jeff, our guest today has been Jeff Hines of the Deschutes County Fair in Redmond, Oregon. Thank you for joining us for Marla by the Numbers, sponsored by ETIX. Join Marla next time for episode number 12, where Marla will be joined by Gary Slater, Cindy Hoy, Marlene Jolliffe, Becky Brashear, and Nancy Smith as they discuss five things COVID taught them as leaders. To find out more about the IFE and our members, please visit us online at fairsandexpos.com or visit our Facebook page, IAFE The Network.